And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletic's dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you. It is officially the off-season in Columbus. We are joined by the voice of the Blue Jackets radio network, Bob McGilligan. Bob, thanks for being with us again. Porty, thanks for having me again. Uh, it's so funny you say it's officially the offseason, and man, we, this doesn't feel like any other offseason, right? I mean, it, it felt like we were in the offseason for four and a half months, and then it was uh, full bore hockey, and now I don't know what to do with myself. Do you now? You've been actually in the building. I've not been in the building, but yet I still have like crawled out of my office here at home a couple of times after games and thought man it's got to be the middle of April oh geez it's August now yeah. like I you get you're so used to hockey and hockey season that it kind of smacks you in the head that it's almost fall are you feeling that yeah I'm especially feeling it now I, I think the kind of the last couple of mornings I've been up early and it's been nice and cool and crisp right so so yeah, it, it kind of has that fall feel to it, but yeah, um, yeah when you're uh, when you're in a room underneath the stands uh, right before you go out to the bench at Nationwide Arena, you don't know if it's spring, summer, winter, or fall. Right. It's just right. <laughs> you're you're just there uh, watching games on the TV screen. Well, it feels like we should be getting ready to go to Traverse City, Michigan, because it's that yeah. kind of time of year. Uh, Blue Jackets bounced from the bubble, bounced from the playoffs, of course, on. Wednesday with a 5-4 overtime loss to the the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. They lose the series in five games. Um, you know what? I want to say, let's talk briefly about that series, if we will. I keep wanting to move on to other things, but let's touch on that, on that briefly. Very competitive season, uh, series. Honestly, more competitive than I would have expected it to be when you think of what the Blue Jackets lost this season, both free agent wise, but also injury wise, all four losses by one goal. Uh, 
I think you can point, as you always can in the playoffs, to a bounce here or there. If Emil Bemstrom's shot is two inches to the right, Alexander Texier's skate is two inches back, and it's not offside. They're up one nothing in games three and four. Maybe we're looking at a different series, but we're not. Uh, they lose to the Lightning. Bob, your thoughts on that series? What can you say about it that hasn't been said to this point? Well, probably nothing because I think everybody has covered it. But um, I, I think, and everything you just said is true, and all those losses or one goal losses, and maybe it could have went this way or the other way. But I think you got to credit the Tampa Bay Lightning because the the one thing that they did was they took their medicine from last spring, and they learned, and they learned a couple of things. I think first of all, uh, Julian Brisebois, the general manager, learned that he didn't have a fully playoff capable team, and he went out and he made some moves. I mean. If I never see Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and Barclay Goudreau in the same yes. line again, that's fine right. with me because I saw them constantly, and they were effective, and that's why that's why I bring them up. Um, so he went out and and he rebuilt his team, and he gave it more of a, a playoff, uh, the kind of playoff feel that you need. He gave it more grit. Let's be honest. And the other thing is. Uh, you've got to credit their coaching staff because they learned how to defend and they defended one goal leads extremely well. I think you'll agree with me when um, I say that the three to two loss and the two to one loss, it seemed like the Blue Jackets couldn't even get out of their own end for the last six or seven yeah. minutes of the game. Yeah. So uh, I, I think you really do have to give credit there. Did the Blue Jackets underachieve in spots? Of course they did. Um, maybe they overachieved in other spots, who knows, but they, they just didn't have enough firepower when it was all said and done. We all knew that this is a team that has to win two to one. That's how it's built right now. And, uh, because of what the lightning did, I, I just think the moves that they made and then the extra drive that they had to get even from last year, I think that tipped the scales. Yeah. Um, I think on the whole, I think we would agree with this on the whole, the blue jackets massively overachieved this year and yet this is what it sounded like to interview John Tortorella post game after game five I think I had it at 42 seconds long but let's listen you'll recognize it you guys fell down to nothing and then after that it's one of the most dominating stretches of play that you've had in this postseason are you guilty then of playing the clock there in the final eight minutes no to lead? no they had three shots Next question. Hey, John, I know it's hard after the series loss to really compress your thoughts, but what has this whole experience been like being in the bubble, you know, being so close to your players, you know, working with them on a day-to-day -day basis and just mentally seeing them come back after a pause in time unlike any, you know, human... You know what, guys? I'm not going to get into the touchy-feely stuff and the moral victories and all that. You guys be safe. And that was it, Bob McGilligan. Brief and to the point... <laughs> Don't tell John Tortorella they overachieved this season. You're, you can just feel the anger pulsating from him. It really didn't matter what the questions were. Maybe that's an odd time for a reflection question right there. We know he doesn't like first questions. Um, you're, you're, the man burns hot in situations like this. How did John Tortorella handle the Blue Jackets in this playoff series? How did he handle himself, Bob McGilligan, uh in this situation? First of all, I... I love that. I mean, I know you guys, you, you and I have different 
um, ways we have to go about doing our stuff. I mean, you, in your business, you're, you're looking for those quotes to, to put in your stories. Um, for me, I can wait another day. I would have never asked him that question, that second question that got asked, because uh, those of us that are around him all the time, and, and of course, you know, you wouldn't have asked him that question right there. That is, that's not, that's not the time for that for him. And I don't know if it is for any coach and some other coaches would, they would maybe muddle through an answer, but he doesn't even pretend sure. to be somebody that he's not. And, and the difference is, you know, I can go back and ask that question tomorrow or the next day or a week from now. Um, and, and so can you to an extent. So you don't need it right there. The national people, um, you know, they want it right now because they're going to write one more story and then it's over. Uh, so I understand why it was asked. I just, as soon as I heard it, before I even watched his body language, I was like, oh, this oh, poor boy. guy, this guy, he's he's done. Um, but but I'll tell you what I did like about that. Um, first of all, I like that he's mad. I like that he that he has that passion. And remember, when Corpus Allo got hurt against the Chicago Blackhawks earlier this year and he went off on all of that, he got a hefty fine from the league. And he got put he on did. probation, right? So he showed up like he's supposed to do, and he also got himself out of there before he embarrassed himself, the organization, and the league, and got another fine piled on him. So, I mean, you know, again, I, I understand where people are looking to write their stories, but I also understand how mad he is. And the answer that he gave you, quite honestly, um, you know, again, if you're paying attention you really don't ask that next question because when you asked him if they were guilty of trying to run the clock and he said, no, I don't agree with that completely. But what he did say was they had three shots and that was his veiled shot at his goaltender who he didn't feel yes. played as well yesterday as he played throughout the playoffs. And I, and I, and it was veiled because he knows how tired that goaltender is and how much work that he's done through these playoffs. So, um, so I, I understand the whole thing with him and, and, and I know, and, and you've been with him for five years. Like I have people on the outside have no idea. They just think he's a jerk and he doesn't want to answer questions. And it's just, if you know, the man, you know, exactly why he got up and walked away. Yep. And I'll say this, like, I, I know, I know where you're coming from. I do think you can say sometimes people from the outside actually have the fairest read on that situation in the short term was, is he, does he have the capacity to be a jerk? Yes, he would even admit that himself. <laughs> this is, for me, though, and I, I, I think the older I get at this, maybe the, the less I worry about quotes and people saying a lot of things. I saw what happened. There are a few, th in, in the game, I mean, there are a few things I need an explanation for. Like the other night, I wanted to ask him about the too many men at the end, and they, I couldn't get a second, a qu another question in. There are things you really legitimately need to know i don't need him to tell me that they blew a lead late i don't need right right so for me it's more like painting the scene and he yeah. always gives you a scene to paint because he doesn't hide anything well and you're right you, the, the more time you spend with him the more you realize the situation he's in there is he doesn't he thinks he needs a save from his goaltender and he can't bring himself to say that about his goaltender because of how well corpusalo played in these playoffs, he's in a he's in a very frustrating situation for him. Um, but most coaches would stand there, take it, uh, blather on, maybe say things that are mildly interesting and leave. You're never going to get that with John Tortorella. You take the good, you take the bad. I'd rather have 
this than I would a coach that literally doesn't say anything in times good or times bad. Well, um, who the people that should have been upset about it was any of the other local guys that wanted to ask a question and never got the opportunity to because yeah. cause the guy from outside our little bubble here kind of ticked them off and, and got them to run away. Yeah. And I, you know what, the, that the uh, reporter who asked the question has actually apologized. It was like, you know what, dude, you really don't have to do that. It, it cha- there are many situations where the second question ends it, even if it's a good question. So, so no, no worries there. But um, John Tortorella, I, I think may have had his best year coaching Columbus. Let's be honest. Um, he was obviously 2016, 17 is, was a great performance by him uh, coaching in terms of really dramatically changing the culture around that team. But I, I don't recall a, t- a, a team in Columbus getting less – or sorry, getting more out of less than honestly the early Blue Jackets team with, with Dave King. I think he coached this team up as much as anybody uh, has ever coached them up, at least in Columbus. Um, do you, Bob, when you, when you sort of allow yourself a chance to fly back – or fly up and look down upon this season. Will you see this as an overachievement to get into the playoffs, whatever these are, to knock off a highly skilled, though flawed team in Toronto, and to hang with with Tampa in most of these games? They deserve to be on the ice with Tampa uh, by their play. There's no question about that. Did this team overachieve in your book? Yeah, I guess I guess they did, and I say I guess because I, I really thought even with the losses that they had. I, I did think that they would that at least have a really legitimate shot to make the playoffs. I didn't think they were going to be bottom of the barrel like so many people, um, the, so many yep. of the pundits thought. And again, that's, you know, you and I are around them. We actually know the people. And, you know, the, for a lot of people, there are names on a roster. They don't know the person or they didn't see uh, Jonas Corposalo play 15 games where you saw some things out of him where you think he can be a starting goaltender. So I understand that. But after they lost all those games with injury from so many different players, there's no way they should have been where they were. And we know that. We talked about that how many times in press boxes throughout the league during the season. You know, they'd, they'd win a game and you'd walk away going, I can't believe they just did that. I, I can't believe exactly. they pulled that off with that lineup. So, yeah, I think they overachieved uh, when it came to that. Um they, I, and I also think they found out a lot of things about themselves. I, I think Torch did push all the right buttons. Uh, you know, the broadcasters in the league are the ones that vote on the Jack Adams Award for the Coach of the Year, and um, I, I, I didn't even hesitate to vote for him, and not because he's a Blue Jackets coach, because I think, as you said, he did the most with the least uh, throughout this season. Like, Bruce Cassidy's team had 100 points in Boston. He's a finalist. Well, yeah, sure. I guess you should be a finalist. Yeah. Elaine Vigneault's a finalist for, for bringing Philly back. Well, for God's sake, all you had to do was finally get a goaltender in Philly, and you had a chance, and then they have some other young pieces. Elaine Vigneault, last I checked, Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek and Sean Couturier and all those guys were playing all the games. Um, you know, the same in Boston. Nobody had the injuries that this team had, um, you know, Kevin Stenland got a Stanley Cup playoff goal in, in September when camp broke. If you would have told me, boy, by the playoffs, you'll be hoping Kevin Stenland's playing, I'd have said you're nuts, right? But he came up, he played, and and this guy gave him opportunities. You know, even like a Liam Foodie. I, I saw some people on you know, social media where everybody's right and you know, nobody can be wrong. 
you know, saying that, you know, he stopped playing Liam Foody enough shifts and he should have played him more. Well, to be honest with you, I thought that Liam Foody looked great at the beginning of the Toronto series. And I think the longer it went on, you know, the more reality started to hit a 20 year old rookie who's never played the full season in the National Hockey League. And that just happens, you know, but he gave him the chance. He had him in the lineup. We went from like from a fan standpoint, went from that first day of camp at the Ice House after the pause to being shocked that Liam Foody was part of the game group to then being upset that he wasn't playing more than, you know, eight to 10 minutes in the final game. So, but Torch gave these guys chances and he, I think he learned a lot about them. He, I, he's given some by necessity and some by plan. I think he has given Yarmo Kekalainen and his staff the greatest opportunity, which is to actually see what they have at the National Hockey League level. And he put guys into position. He still was able to win games. He was still able to get his team beyond the regular season. And they they should have the most thorough look of any team in this league as far as who and what their prospects are. And usually when you say that about a team, you follow that up by saying they're going to get a really good pick in the lottery this year. <laughs> right. I mean, that's usually what that is for a team that, that plays that many players. Um, I did a little little uh, numbering last night. The Blue Jackets forwards. So it's one thing to say that the Blue Jackets don't score enough. They were 27th in the regular season in scoring. But Zach Wierenski ruins that number, or at least gives it an unfair read because he had 20 goals. And their, their, their defensemen here actually create more offense than in the typical plays. If you take defensemen out of the, the equation, Blue Jackets forward scored 141 goals in 70 games. Only one team had fewer among their forwards, and that was Detroit. You do not want to be in that wow. sentence right now in the National Hockey League. They have to do something, Bobby Mack. And so let's start looking forward to the offseason and and what it may portend, what they need to do to get where they want to go. Like, I left, if I'm the Blue Jackets, I leave the playoffs feeling really good about Alexander Texier. I leave the playoffs feeling very hopeful about Liam Foodie. And though he had a struggle that could have changed the game, I think Liam, I think uh, Emil Bemstrom looks like a third or a fourth line winger. But I don't think, and this is just me talking, I want to get your response on it. I don't think patience is the pathway to progress for this team right now. I feel like they have to do some things this summer to push this thing along in terms of helping their forwards other than just waiting for the prospects to, to come on. And I wonder what your thoughts are. Well, I agree with that because, look, we know how this league works. You get windows, right? And when you're in your window, you've got to do things to take advantage of it. If you don't, then you're just kind of sputtering along. I, let, me, let me put it more specifically. What I do not want the Blue Jackets to turn into is the Minnesota Wild. And the Minnesota Wild is always good enough in the regular season. They get into the playoffs. They don't go very far in the playoffs. They haven't got to that point. So now you're always drafting in the middle to later in the pack, Vicious right? cycle. Right, yeah. yeah. So so what do you do about that? So you either, you either miss the playoffs and, and you get one of those high picks. Well, that's not happening here. Or... You try to take some of your assets and package them up and make a trade. And we've already seen Yarmo make two really surprising 
and spectacular trades. As a matter of fact, the first one doesn't turn out to be as spectacular as he thought. So he takes the same guy, Brandon Saad, who he kind of under the radar steals from the, the Chicago Blackhawks. This is the most amazing thing to me about these two trades with Yarmo that in this day and age of social media in the 21st century, nobody saw either of these coming. That he gets Brandon Saad from the Chicago Blackhawks and then Saad isn't panning out and he somehow flips him back and brings in Artemi Panarin. I mean, those are two right. trades to address needs that this team had. And unfortunately, Panarin decides he doesn't want to be here. And so that kind of it ruins the whole thing. But my point is, he's already made some really um, big, <laughs> big something trades. He's got to have some big something to make the trades that he made. But 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 he's showing that he's not afraid to do that if he gets into the right situation and if he gets the right price. I think he's got to do that here. I agree with you. This team needs scoring and it needs um, you know, it needs some kind of consistent scoring. You're not getting the first overall pick unless unless you're able to put together some grandiose package that the New York Rangers would all of a sudden take from you, which doesn't happen anyway in this league because nobody wants to make a trade of that caliber in their own division. But you're not getting that pick. So you got to figure it out somewhere else. Uh, who do you have that you can package in trade? Um, and look, the Josh Anderson situation, who knows? He's a restricted free agent. Uh, he had one goal this year. He didn't play. He, he was never healthy enough to play in these playoffs. Um, I think that's a difference for the Blue Jackets, especially if it's a healthy Josh Anderson. It could have been a difference for him, you know, in, in how much money he gets or where he winds up next year too, but it didn't happen. Uh, so is that a guy, I think, you, like first and foremost, you have to figure out, can you sign him? Will you sign him for whatever he's going to want? And then if the answer is no, what can you put him with to make an attractive package to somebody else who has the scoring that you desperately need? And and, and I think that's right where it is. It's scoring, right? You just said, um, you know, if only Detroit is the one scoring uh, less goals than you from your group of forwards, you got to change the forwards. Yeah. Yeah, and and I look at other spots on the on the roster too. I look at their defense, and I think you know what Andrew Peak is going to need to play very soon. I think Dean Kukan is a player. I almost feel like they need to trade a defenseman as well. Now, I don't I don't think there's a huge return coming necessarily in that respect, but that's another area of the of the roster that they could pick from. I further think that I think they've got a pretty good book on these goalies now. And I wonder what the market is for those goalies. You can find a backup goalie. You don't need to have two first and two young. And if the two young number ones, that's a luxury. And if the right team calls with the right offer, I th is it too soon to move to pick a goalie and, and move the other one, Bobby Mack? Well, I think there are, the number of things that are going to be involved there is what's the goalie market going to be like when the season's over, right? Because there's some for sure there's some big name guys that can be out there as unrestricted free agents. Although you know, if you're a general manager, um, you might want to call Dale Talon, who's no longer the general manager of the Florida Panthers, and ask if it's really worth paying out top dollar for that unrestricted free agent goalie. <laughs> and, Who did he sign? Bob? Yeah, there's some some guy named Bob. But, yeah. but it, we all know the problem there. I mean, he thought that, that a goalie was going to cure all his defensive woes, and he had a team that 
played completely the opposite of the way the Blue Jackets played defensively. They have no structure. Their their defensemen are more offensive, and and they left their goalie hung out to dry all the time. But um, look, I we, we talked about this you and I a couple of weeks ago before the playoffs began, uh, and about the goalie situation and who was going to start. And of course, Corposalo started, and then he left, and Elvis came in, and then he got hurt, and we never saw him again. And what? You know, the, just to go back for a second here, I think that was a big blow to the Blue Jackets because Jonas Corposalo needed a day off. He needed time, and they didn't have the luxury of giving him that time in the Tampa series. Uh, and if Elvis would have come in there and played extremely well and beaten the Lightning, now you'd have a Tampa team going, my God, they can throw two guys at us. Now, what are we going to do here? But it never materialized that way. But is it too early to pick between those two? Uh, I think it depends what the offer is, quite honestly, because, well, where, well, first of all, I'm assuming that the injury to Elvis is just something that was going to take more time than the Blue Jackets had left to play, and it won't be a factor uh, in the future. But the Corposalo thing, you would have to think that his stock rose considerably in these playoffs, wouldn't you? So I, I think maybe... If you were sitting there saying, okay, we're going to keep these two guys next year and we're going to have them push each other and we're going to let this year's free agent goalie market sort itself out and then uh, when that's all over, we'll make a decision the next year. And that was probably the the school of thought. But, man, I'll tell you what. um, If somebody calls and has the right deal for one of them right now, uh, as as great as it would be to have a tandem, and and I think the league is going toward tandems, but... I think you could also find a Curtis McElhaney type guy that can come in and, and be a tandem for you if you have a chance to package one of those guys and get something that you need much more, which is scoring. So I don't think it's too early to make that assessment. And and if Corpus Stalos, you know, they, they obviously they like they like Elvis. And, you know, you look at the contracts that were dished out. Uh, they like Elvis. They think he's going to be a good NHL goaltender. Uh, maybe they didn't know what they could get for either one of those guys. But Corpus Allo, every every GM in the league just watched what he did. Uh, his name's going to be in the record books for a long, long time for making 85 saves in a game. So uh, he is front and center right now. So if you get a good deal, I think you certainly have to consider it. Yeah, I think the the there's still a lot for them to learn from on Elvis. But I think this was an incredibly educational year for Elvis Merzlikens if you think about all that he adapted to. Um, not just on the ice, off the ice. How the game's played here how he doesn't have to be the guy in the room, call that arrogance, call that just what he was used to, what he th- he thought the relationship was, not having to to be the star player every night as he learned a painful lesson in Winnipeg, um, how what the playoffs look like. I mean, you talk about your picking up a lot of stuff in your first year. That man had a lot of stuff thrown at him um, and at times showed incredibly high ceiling potential. I mean, he looked at times like, almost almost Vezina like when he was going well. Uh, I think this is a pretty good team to play goaltender for, especially the way that they adapted and played this year. Uh this sort of trestle ball approach to hockey under under Tortorella. That made it easy easier on the goaltenders. But they've got two good ones. Um Yeah, yeah and I'll and I'll tell you right now, if this was going into next yeah. year, I mean if I'm Elvis Merzlikens, I'm the backup. I know that. I just watch that other guy play in the playoffs. If we're both coming yeah, yeah. back, I'm the backup to start the year. And that could change a game in. You understand what I'm saying. Now, do you think if uh, – we'll never know. We'll, we'll ask. I shouldn't say that. We, I'd like to know. Um, 
if Merzlikens, who hurt his groin apparently, we've been told in Game Four against Toronto, didn't come out of the game, who knows what role that played down the stretch? But I think if he plays well there and seals Game Four and they that series, which that would have been huge for them too in hindsight. Uh, to get a bit of a breather before Game One against Tampa, I think Elvis starts Game One against uh, against uh, Tampa. Agreed. Oh yeah, there's. I, I don't think there's any doubt. You're going to stay with a hot hand, yeah. and and Torch was right. very open about that. Um, but and the other thing is, when you said that he learned that he ha- does not have to be the star player on this team, I don't know how things worked when he played overseas, but this is what I can tell you about the Columbus Blue Jackets, and something you already know. You're not the star player on this team. I don't care who you are. Seth Jones is the star player on the Columbus Blue Jackets. So just deal with it and don't try to jam yourself into the spotlight. Do your job and you'll get a share of that spotlight. But Seth Jones is the star of the Columbus Blue Jackets, hands down. Yeah. Now, Bobby, if put your uh, um, Yarmo Kekalainen hat on for a moment. <laughs> who on this roster is untouchable not untouchable who on this roster do you put on the top i don't think of anybody as being untouchable on the top tier the rare of rare on this roster that is the elite that you're building around not using as trade bait who who fits for me it's three guys right now it's dubois it's warensky it's jones not in that order it's jones dubois warensky but those three are the guys that I'm building around. I'm not using them as trade chips. I'm building around those guys. Agreed? Or do you make it a bigger list or a smaller list? Uh, no, I only had two definites on my list, and those okay. are two of the three that you have on your list. Um, and it's Jones and Dubois. So you trade Ruinsky. I yeah. If, first of all, I'd have to have my socks knocked off, okay? Yes. Because I, he and Seth are the best pair in the league, I think, right now. Um, but if... Because there is a possibility you could get a team to overpay for a guy that has that talent, has that ability, I should say. So yeah, agreed. if if somebody, if I got, like you told me to put my Yarmo hat on, so Yarmo would say probably something like, well, if I got an offer, I could not refuse. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think you would have to consider that. The other two guys, I wouldn't. it would be a non-starter for me. I wouldn't even talk about it. Um but with Zach, just because he can do so many things, I think when Seth was out with injury, the one thing that was exposed was how much better of a defender he is than Zach Wierenski. And I'm not ripping on Zach. Don't get me wrong. He had 20 goals. He's he's fantastic. And he works great on this team and in this system. But um, I, I think Seth Jones just makes guys around him better, and that includes Zach Wierenski. I think Zach can take many more risks with Seth and – they don't get exposed if there's a mistake nearly as much because Seth Jones is out there with him. So, um, yes, I, I agree with your list, but the only difference I would make is I would, I would listen about number eight. And if I got something that was real and, and again, it would really have to be, it would have to be something that I walked away and went, I cannot believe they gave up that. Then I would consider it. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because I love, I love the idea of having, there's an element that you hang your hat on with every team. We are this. Mm-hmm. And for the Blue Jackets, I feel like it's Wierenski Jones. And so I, in that, in that context, I probably overvalue Wierenski. To be clear, I would listen to offers on anybody. Right. And I, I, you, but 
you know, there's, I don't think people realize this. It's not just fantasy, uh, the fantasy football approach to sports. You don't just call up a team and ask him for Seth Jones, right? <laughs> right. You don't just call up a team and ask him for Nathan McKinnon. It has to be, it has to be a serious, serious talk before that even gets off the ground or it's an offense. Um, so yeah, but I, but I like having I like having that top defensive pair to hang my hat on. Would I listen to offers for Wierenski if someone's willing to overpay for a twenty goal defenseman? Of course, um, but I'd also listen to the other guys if someone's willing to get stupid. I would rule nothing yeah. out. Um, but let me ask you, maybe uh, uh, just to the tier below that, the guys that have become mainstays here. Uh, Boone Jenner played like less than ten minutes in Game Five. Basically, Alexander Winberg had a really good game, moved up in the pecking order, and Boone Jenner fell down. Riley Nash played his way up in the pecking order during the playoffs. I'm not suggesting that the Blue Jackets reach a point where they trust Alexander Winberg to be a second or third line center next year. I think, I think if that happens, it's gravy. I don't think you can trade that contract. But I'm not, I'm not getting optimistic or putting rosy colored glasses on for Winberg. I've done it too many times. He's got to prove me otherwise during the season sustained. But I wonder about Boone Jenner, who that guy works his butt off. He has a work ethic in him that, of course, you miss if it's gone, but that other teams around the league crave, um, maybe overvalue even. Where do you stand on these this the sort of Blue Jackets foundational players? I feel like Matt Calvert was in that group before. He was not signed. He's now with the the Avalanche. But if you're Yarmo Kekalainen, how how big of an ask is it for you to trade a Jenner, to trade a Savard, uh, those two guys in particular? Well, it is um, for me. It's a big deal, and I think it's because of everything that you just described. Because they've been here for so long, and they've been such an important part of what has happened here. I mean, there's not many guys left here, as you know, Aaron, that remember the dark days of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And, you know, that, that spring was just uh, finish out the regular season and the playoffs weren't even a thought. Um, you know, these guys have been to the playoffs a lot, but they also remember that era as well. So, uh, and they've done so many good things here, but Boone Jenner, I'm stuck on the Boone Jenner thing because the first thing you can say, and and you just get knocked out of a playoff series, and as you said, he played less than 10 minutes. So, you know, it's easy to go with what you're thinking of fresh in your mind right now, which is maybe it's time to move on from a guy like that and and try to get something else. Again, if if it's a package with a draft pick or another player or – uh, you know, can you get somebody that can produce more offensively? Because Boone, that's that's really not his forte. He had that one year where he had the 30 goals, but we always talk about him and winning defensive zone faceoffs and and hard work and all of that. So right after a playoff series where he didn't score enough goals, um, it's easy to kind of have a mindset to say maybe it's time for a change to be in order. But then I can turn that right back around and I told you earlier about the Blake Coleman's and, and the Barclay Goudreau's. I mean, who doesn't want a player like Boone Jenner come playoff time um, to go out there and just grind and play hard and, 
And obviously he didn't do enough of that uh, in this series. But uh, I don't know. I The more I sit and think about this and, you know, Boone's been playing center all year and, and, he, and they moved him to center last year. And I know when he got drafted, they talked about him being a centerman. But my goodness, I just thought he was so much better as a winger that just could go down there and bang and crash and hit guys and, and um, you know, not have to worry about that extra defensive uh, responsibility on the ice. And maybe I'm overthinking that, but um, it would be hard for me to part. But again, how much of that is sentimental? I don't know. And David Savard's the same way uh, because I love David Savard. Who doesn't love David Savard? Anyone that has talked to him, anyone that has watched him play, uh, you cannot, both these guys, you cannot not like them as people. You cannot not like them as players. But, you know, at some point, um, you know, David Savard is, uh, you know, he's getting older. He's not done by any means, but, man, he's sacrificing the body every day. You know, you wonder if one day it'll just be like all of a sudden it's not there, you know, uh, because he's played that hard and that rugged style for so long. Um, you know, how much of that is left and, and do you try to get something out of it while it's still there and then let some other team deal with what to do with, with uh, when it's gone. So that's what makes it hard. That's not really an answer for you. I get it. But, um, but again, I think in the, if the, if the mantra is we're always going to look to make our team better. And if you have teams that are interested in either of those players, that is going to give you something back to make you better. I think you have to stay with your mindset and that's something that you have to consider and, and something that maybe you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the guys you miss when they're gone. Yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah. So I miss Matt Calvert lately. all the time. I mean, we went to Colorado and totally somebody came up behind me and gave me a big hug and I turned around. And it was Matty Calvert. And, and it's just, you know, and here's the guy that scored that playoff goal in Pittsburgh that gave the franchise his first ever playoff win. I mean, you know, he took a puck in the forehead and scored a shorthander to win a game. This guy is going to be, he's, he's a, he's a folk legend for the Blue Jackets for the rest of his life, right? Yes. Um, yep. Are they better with him gone? Uh, I mean, in some ways, is, is there anything that he would have brought that would have helped propel them past the Tampa Bay Lightning in this last series? I'm not so sure about that. And, that, and that's the point, right? Right. Like they're going to have to, it's going to have to hurt a little bit if they're going to bring in difference making players. It, it just is. Um, it, trading Josh Anderson is going to hurt because that's a hell of right. a player. That is a hell of a player. But that one's different and because it, we don't know the mindset with him, right? Totally. I, I mean, it, and you're also used to playing without him right now. Yeah, exactly. Too. Yeah. You just played basically a whole year without him as far as that goes. But it, it but that look, they've they've had guys here that don't really want to be here. We saw how that all worked out. I don't know where Josh is on that personally, but you know that obviously that factors in. But still, to your point, the kind of player he is, the size, the speed, the scoring ability, yes, it hurts. Yeah, you're listening to the Front and Nationwide podcast. Our guest is Bob McGilligan, radio voice of the Blue Jackets. Just a couple more for you, Bobby. Um, do. You, you know, it, it's funny how much things change from one year to the next. Nine of the 20 players that were in the lineup for some of those games against the Lightning were not part of the Blue Jackets last season, which is crazy. <laughs> crazy. Um, that's a huge amount of turnover for a team that was successful last year. What are you? What does your gut tell you about this summer? Are, are, because every year, every and I, I get, I get uh, fed up as I type this every year, I go, 
Yeah, but when is it going to happen? When are the teams that have this these awful salary cap crunches? When is that going to benefit the Blue Jackets? Because it's always going to, and it never, it hasn't yet, where these teams part with really and really significant pieces for uh, pennies on the dollar because they have to get under the cap. But it's different now, and there's so there, most of these teams anticipated the cap being between five and six million dollars more than it's going to be. It's a flat cap for the foreseeable future. The Blue Jackets have a chance to be active within that market space. They don't have a ton of cap room, believe it or not. They won't after they re-sign Dubois. Um, but what is your sense about how how different things are going to be when this team tees it up again? Jeez, uh, December. I think training camp is in November. When they tee it back up again, how much change do you think there's going to be? Or do you think that these playoffs may have convinced people within the organization that this team is cl- is closer to being uh, elite just by being who it is? I hope not because I don't I, – I still think they need to tweak it. Um, again, I, I think it's great what we saw out of the guys that are here. Um but it just needs, I just think it needs more. But then on the same token, you know, we talk about unrestricted free agents or, you know, getting guys. First, you got to get guys to come here. I know people hate to hear that, but it's, it's still the truth. You got to get them to come. Now, it's easier to get them to come when you're winning and when you have success and when you expect to be in the playoffs. So they've got that going in the right direction. They still got to get them to come. And it depends upon, you know, you might be able to get guys for pennies on the dollar, but what other teams are offering those same pennies, you know? So that will be, uh, obviously that's a factor, but, uh, you know, I hope, I hope they can find a, a guy or, or two guys like that. Um, you know, that maybe another team, they get squeezed out and it's just a, it's a monetary thing. And, um, you know, maybe they, maybe it's even somebody in the division and they feel jilted and you can get them to come and stick it to their old team right. if they're a good player. But, you know, this, whenever you go get those guys, it always is easier. I think it's easier to give money to the guys you know, right? Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to get money. Sure, he deserves it. Give it to him. You know, you watched him for three years develop. You know exactly what you have there. You and know who he is. You know who he is and you know he's a Blue Jacket. You drafted him. You're developing him. His friends are here. You know, it, it, there's not, well, first of all, he's restricted, so there doesn't have to be a sales job. But you understand what I mean. It, this is this is who he is. This is what he is as an NHL player. So you're going to have that, and, and there's going to be that buy-in. Is he going to like everything? Absolutely not, but he knows what everything's like. Um, you know, you go get these guys from the outside, and you bring them in, and do you, do you ever know what you're really getting? I mean, how many times have they brought a guy in here and we thought how great this is, and then it wasn't so great, you know? And, and you don't have to go that far back in, in time. They went and they traded. They gave a lot for Ryan Dezingle, and that obviously Ooh. turned out terribly. Um, you know, not to rip on Gus Nyquist, it's his first year here, but I was hoping to see more out of Gus Nyquist in the playoffs than I saw out of him in these last two weeks, right? So... Again, you never, you kind of don't know what you're going to get, but there is that possibility. And I think you're right. It's a real possibility now because of the the uh, salary cap structure that there might be guys that normally would not be available. And and it's going to take, you're going to have to be a recruiter in some ways. And this is a college town, so they know all about recruiting. 
But, um, you know, there's some guys that you're going to have to be a recruiter and try to get them to come in. But I hope that's the mindset because I, I don't think they have – they have nice pieces here. And and pieces – you mentioned Emil Bemstrom earlier. I told John Tortorella the other day I get so mad at him because I was told about his biggest strength and it's that one-time shot on the power play and he misses a wide-open net in a playoff game and that could have turned that playoff game around differently. However, he's a young kid. He just came from Sweden. He's adjusting to life in the United States. He's adjusting to a different size rink. He's playing against the best players in the world each and every night. And, oh, by the way, on top of all of that, this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. So don't miss the net. Oh, doggone, I missed the net. Um, I think two years from now, Emil Bemstrom is probably going to be a guy that I say, I used to really hammer this guy a lot as a rookie, but I'm glad he's here. He has that potential. But that's two years from now. And I think your window, as we talked earlier, your window is now. So can you wait another year for that? I don't think you I don't think you should if you have the opportunity to go out and, and get somebody and add them because of somebody else's salary cap structure or because um, somebody happens to be a unrestricted free agent and they like what you have going on here. I, I think that's you know, besides the trades that we talked about, I think that's what you have to do. I, I don't think you can wait another two years for some of these guys to to up their game. In those two years it takes them. Let's say you keep a Jenner and a Savard. Where are they going to be two more years from now? They're going. They're trending the opposite way, so it's it's going to be a balance, and you don't want to be at a balance. You want to go ahead. Yeah, and for me, the a big part of the window is this is the window for me. So John Tortorella has one more year under contract. Nick Felino has one more year under contract, and now maybe Felino extends, maybe Tortorella and Felino extend short term deals, and and that doesn't change. But Felino is going to be 32, I believe, in October, maybe 33. Uh, so I'm not sure we're, how much longer we're going to have the captain here in town as a player. He's getting up there in the, in, in the way that the NHL works today. Maybe the bigger issue, Seth Jones is an unrestricted free agent in two years. Zach Wierenski is a restricted free agent in two years. A huge, huge um, determinant of how accomplished and and how successful this franchise is will be what Seth Jones decides to do. And I won't even pretend to know what he's thinking right now because he doesn't share that uh, publicly. But those guys want to win. Those players that are wired like he, he is, they want to win. And so they have won here in Columbus. They've won one playoff series. I think... I think that's what these next couple years are about. Um, the Tortorella and the Felino legacy, but even more important, um, a sales pitch to Seth Jones and others about wanting to stay with this organization. And that's why I agree with you that the, the window the window's opening now or is open now, but it never opens and stays open long in this league. No, it doesn't. And, you know, the – the facts are Nick Felino, he's great, but you know, whether Nick Felino is here or not is not a key to your success in winning a Stanley Cup. Whereas Seth Jones, it's completely the opposite. I mean, you know, Nick is a is a great compliment player and he's a great captain and a great leader and all of that, but he's you know, as I said before, Seth Jones is a star of this franchise and and yeah, if you if you want to keep them around, yeah, winning in the next two years would, uh, I, I think that's that's the way to trend, especially this next year, right? I mean, because once you get down to that one year on the contract, that's when you're starting to talk to a player and 
try to figure out what he wants and, and where he's going and where his head is and how much it's going to take. So if you could really add to this team and, and not only just keep it in the playoffs, but keep it winning in the playoffs, I think that'll, uh, that's a great point that you make. Yeah. You've and we talked about recruiting and selling nothing sells better than winning. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, if you're listening to the athletic podcast, I hope you are. It's a big part of your subscription. Uh, you get Pierre Lebrun's podcast on Wednesdays. Scott Burnside has a daily playoff edition of Two Man Advantage. That's Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Posted by 10 a.m. every day throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Scott will keep you up to speed with all of the NHL action. I've been a guest on that show before. Plus some of the Athletics' best hockey writers stop by to help break down the games and look ahead uh, to the rest of the playoffs. Only available through The Athletic. Thanks so much for listening. Bobby Mack, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's um, it's great to have these discussions, and I'm not going to know what to do with myself in about another day. So uh, right. thanks for getting me while it's still fresh in my mind because two weeks from now I couldn't even have this conversation with you. <laughs> exactly. You'd be like, the other day I had to look up Lilia's first name. <laughs> that, well, that's pretty, ba- that that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's Jake, Jacob. Jacob, yes. Right, because there was a there was a Lilia that played for the Red Wings those years, many years. Yes, yeah, and you and that, that's where. See, I now I can't wrong. remember that right. guy's first name, and gosh, I should. So Andreas, there you go. Thank you, Andreas Lilia. Thank yeah. you. Now we're I, even. I've typed that. So Neither many one times. between the two of us, we're going to get every Lilia in this league right. Ooh, we need good copy <laughs> editors. That is for sure. Uh, Bobby Mack, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll be back with you on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to keep going here a couple of weeks for the next couple of weeks. We may spend some weeks, uh, it's a shortened off season. We may cut back to one a week during uh, the quiet days of the brief off season, but we'll let you know in advance. As of now, we're going to keep doing two a week. So thanks for listening. Thanks for reading what we write, and we will be talking to you soon. Take care. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.